The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Oh, got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! Is it normally? High fly ball, deep left field, oh, 27! Does it again! For this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field! This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels baseball. You listen to All Angels Podcasts. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia. So obviously, there are tons of fireworks to talk about with this series against the Seattle Mariners, especially about what happened on Sunday afternoon. But before we get to that, I want to give a quick shout out to if you know anybody, if you're a part of a firefighting crew, Cal Fire, a uh, big shout out to them, Cal Fire, for um, letting us back into the house last night. Um, kind of a sketchy situation for a little bit personally. Um, Saturday evening, Saturday afternoon, we saw there was a fire not too far from my house. Well, it got really close to the house in no time flat. Had to evacuate, went to uh, uh, my dad's house and kind of hung out there for a little while and let the firemen uh, and firewomen do what they do and made it safe for us to come back home Saturday night. So if you or anyone you know is part of Cal Fire or any other local fire department, thank you very much uh, for letting us come home and, and have a nice, safe night at home because it was very, it was getting very sketchy there for a second. So I felt like I had to give a quick shout out to anyone that might be listening or maybe you have a, a brother or a cousin or a dad or someone that's a firefighter, but big ups to them. Thank you very much for keeping this community safe and um, not lit on fire. Really appreciate that. Um, it was a crazy day, but so let's get to baseball. Let's get to this series against the Seattle Mariners. Obviously, the series against the Kansas City Kansas City Royals wasn't what the Angels or I didn't think the fans expected at all. You were expecting it to be the opposite, where the Angels took two or three, and look now they're looking to rebound against Seattle, a team that they took. You know, you look at the win loss record, and yes, they won four out of five against Seattle up in Seattle last weekend. But at the same time, if you look deeper into the numbers, you realize they didn't score a whole lot of runs. It was definitely pitching dependent it was Mike Trout dependent um, last time they played Seattle so coming into this series I was interested to see if a the pitching would be able to maintain that level against this same lineup and even with one less gun um, at their disposal with Ty France going on the IL but also too if anyone else on the offense was going to be able to step up besides Mike Trout. Remember, four home runs against Seattle with four game, those are four game winning 
home runs to make uh, the Angels win four to five last week up in Seattle. So there was a lot of that going on coming into the series if the Angels would be able to repeat that performance against Seattle because they definitely needed it. Falling deeper and deeper behind a wild card, you can't afford to lose series against teams that are like Seattle and like Kansas City. And then we'll see what happens with the Chicago White Sox. You can't afford to be dropping these series left and right. So coming into Friday night, you had Michael Lorenzen on the mound against, like I mentioned, the Seattle Mariners. And Michael Lorenzen got to a really, really rough start. He did not have his best stuff by any means. He would end up giving up a run in the top of the first after walking Julio Rodriguez. He would end up giving up back-to-back singles that allowed that walk to come around. But he was really, really working, and he would get himself into some pickles throughout the rest of his outing, Michael Wood. And the second inning, he would, again, um, start off with a strikeout, start off strong, but then would end up walking the second batter. And then he just his pitch count just seemed to get uh, elevated really, really quickly. And then finally, in the third inning, he would be, after the third inning, he would be taken out, only giving up four hits, two runs, four walks, which was the big key, and five strikeouts. So you look at his line minus the innings pitched, and it's actually not a bad line, but because of so many walks and, and honestly, too, so many strikeouts, his pitch count got way up there. So after three innings, he was already at 85, yeah, 85 pitches, and only 50 of them were strikes. So definitely not the kind of ratio you are looking for when it comes to ball strikes. So he had a really, really hard time finding the zone um, consistently, and he was done after three innings. So when he left after three, obviously the score was 2-0 Seattle. Seattle would end up adding one more in the top of the fourth to make it 3-0. But in the bottom of the fourth, Mike Trout would continue his dominance over the Seattle Mariners, uh, which will play a key later in the series, um, homering uh, a solo shot, his 22nd of the year, making the score 3-1. to one. But the Seattle would keep on adding on. They would add on another run in the sixth inning, making it 4-1. to one. Mike Trout, again, trying to get this team back into play, hits a triple down the line or triple down in the gap that would actually end up scoring Taylor Ward. And with Trout on third, Shohei Otani, next man up, would end up grounding into a fielder's choice, allowing Trout to score to make the score 4-3 to three Seattle. But unfortunately, that's exactly where it would stand. That's exactly where it would end. Um, the Angels would drop the first game of the series 4-3. to three. And kind of like I was talking before, coming into the series, you got to hope for someone else to kind of step up and uh, put a little extra offense on the board. Obviously, when, in this game, Trout did exactly what you expect Trout to do against a team like Seattle. He went two for three with two hits, or like obviously two for three, two hits, two RBIs, two runs, and one walk. So he definitely did his part. But again, the, the back end of the line, the lineup has been really struggling to get anything going. Some good news is that Renhifo did get two hits. Um, in this game, you're kind of slow, very slowly, but you're kind of seeing, you know, turn it around a tad still probably not to the level the angels need at that second base spot. But if he can at least start playing at an average rate, that would be a really good thing for the angels. But like I mentioned, uh, Walsh, 
Ofer, Stassi Ofer, Marsh Ofer. There was just not enough overall lineup depth going on right now to continuously put up big numbers in the run column for the Angels right now. And it's very, very top-heavy, very, very top-heavy with those first three guys, Ward, uh, Trout, and Otani. And that's something, too, that this team has to find a way to spread out the spread out the runs without sacrificing the top of the lineup. You know, you, you hear about some people want, you know, Ward to hit a little bit, you know, lower in the lineup to help spread that out. But at the same time, now you're sacrificing that top of the lineup. The top of the lineup has done really well. But you can't really expect that to maintain if you're moving, you know, one of those key pieces. I just feel like if you start moving, you know, Ward down the fourth or fifth, now that top of the lineup isn't nearly as potent as it can be. And now you're kind of sacrificing that. It's going to have to come down to obviously those other guys, like I mentioned, Walsh, uh, Stassi, Marsh, you know, Renhefo, because those are the guys that are there right now. There's not going to be a whole lot of help walking through the door of Angel Stadium anytime soon. Um, Rendon's out for the year. You know, Fletcher is still trying to work back. There's not a lot of help coming, but so you have to get that help from people that are already in that lineup. But the Angels dropped the first game of the three-game set, four to three. Now going on to Saturday. Saturday, again, I was evacuated from the house, so didn't see a ton of the game. Luckily, or not luckily, I guess it depends on your view of it, got home towards the end of it. But this game started with Patrick Sandoval on the mound. One of the pitchers the Angels have had this year that every time you watch him, you feel like something special could happen, but it's always about getting out of that first inning or the first couple innings clean. Like they, like so many Angels pitchers, it just feels like that first inning is the key inning. If you can get out of it without giving up a run or even without giving up a couple of hits, that they kind of click and they're able to flow and they're able to very easily get through these lineups. But in the very first inning, the second person at the plate, Julio Rodriguez, would end up hitting a home run, a solo shot to give the Seattle Mariners a 1-0 lead. But the Angels would obviously keep on trying to fight back, and so would Patrick Sandoval. But in the bottom of the third, Shohei Otani absolutely destroys the ball for his 16th home run of the year to tie the score at 1-1. Patrick Sandoval did not have a bad game by any means. He he put himself in, I believe, two bases loaded situations and was able to work out of them. And it just, to me, and I tweeted about that d- during the game that night, is that that's great. You're able to work out of it. But sooner or later, you have to have a feeling that you can't keep on rolling the dice. You can't keep on playing with fire. You can't keep on risking something like that. It's going to come back and bite you. But Sandoval was able to get out of those jams. He ended up going five innings. Eight hits, one earned run, two walks, six strikeouts. So again, a very, very good outing by Patrick Sandoval. You would just hope that at some point, some of these guys get a little more efficient with their pitches. Again, five innings for Patrick, but 95 pitches. So it's not a easy breezy kind of, you know, 14, 18 pitches in inning kind of deal. There is a lot of work going on with uh, Patrick in this day trying to get out of these situations, which he did, granted, but now you're you're left in a situation now where the bullpen, who has been very up and down all year long, is now, you know, not for, well, kind of forced to kind of carry the load, and you would have loved to see the way Patrick was pitching, you would have loved to see him be 
be able to control the pitches a little better and go longer into the game, you know, sixth, seventh inning kind of kind of longer because he was pitching very, very well for the Angels. So like I mentioned, it was 1-1 after the bottom of the third. Now at the bottom of the fourth, Kurt Suzuki gives the lead to the Angels with his second home run of the year. Again, a solo shot, making the score 2-1 Angels. So again, Patrick's out after the fifth inning. Coming into the sixth inning, they would bring in Archie Bradley. Archie Bradley would end up getting himself into a little bit of trouble after a leadoff walk. He would get an out, but then end up walking J.P. Crawford. So now you have two on, one out. Julio Rodriguez would then hit a ball to third baseman Tyler Wade, which he would botch it, getting a fielding error. And now you have, again, another another time where the bases are loaded and this would be the third time the bases are loaded in this game again the last two times Patrick Sandoval was able to get out of it but you just felt sooner or later the Mariners were going to cash in some way somehow to get a run and that's exactly what they did after that fielding error the Angels ended up making a pitching change to Jose Cajada who has been pitching fairly well since coming back from that IL last month but again Bases loaded in this kind of situation, um, it's very kind of, you would think it's very stressful and not the ideal situation to bring in any reliever. You would like to have a guy in there to kind of clean up his own mess. So with that, I would have preferred Archie to stay out there and try to clean it up, but Quijada was a lefty against a lefty. Didn't work out. Jesse Winker would walk, which would force in a run, tying the game at 2-2. Two to two. The next batter uh, would end up getting a base hit scoring two runs making it four to two uh, Seattle and it would stay that way all the way to the bottom of the six where again past all angels podcast guest David McKinnon would come up and get a um, very clutch RBI single to make the score three to two but Seattle would add up uh, add another run off a sack fly in the fifth inning to get the score at five to three so and that's exactly how the game would end five three in the bottom of the ninth you know the angels had some opportunities to score and actually to so much so that Shohei Otani was at the plate well let me back up a little bit because there's even more so before that so you're in the bottom of the ninth right David McKinnon's up to bat or you have one out he's been doing a really really great job working the zone and being able to control, you know, the, the strike zone. The biggest thing about a lot of these Angels players, people are saying, is that they strike out too much. Well, it seems like David has been the complete opposite. He's working counts. He's getting a ton of walks, and that's exactly what he did in the bottom of the ninth. Well, after um, Taylor Ward and lines out for two outs, you have Mike Trout up to the plate. And obviously, with what Mike Trout has done, not only in this series against the Mariners, but going back to last weekend, you are just one swing away from. Um, this game being tied. Well, the pitcher of the Seattle Mariners, Eric Swanson, um, ends up going up high and tight. And when I say tight, really tight to Mike Trout to where it gets by and David McKinnon advances the second. But after that pitch, you see the stare back from Trout to the pitcher as far as is there some kind of intent on it? At the time, I wasn't necessarily sure if there was a a huge amount of intent behind it just because of the fact of when it happened. Obviously, you're in a very close game. You're in a two-run game in the ninth. Um, 
I don't think at that point you're trying necessarily to put guys on base. But either way, Trout definitely took offense to it, definitely kind of gave him the stare back. Um, because McKinnon moved up to second, they intentionally walked Trout. And, you know, obviously there was a lot of talk about intent, not intent. You know, obviously you never want to go up near anyone's head uh, regardless of, you know, how big the beef is or whatever. But they did. And again, I'm still not completely sold that it was necessarily on purpose. Um, but this is that's the thing, though, about, you know, you, you, you hear these stories about these baseballs and them not being rubbed up the same or rubbed up right and and MLB's actually come out and said something you know had a had to put out a release to all the major major league teams saying that the balls need to be uniform as far as how they are prepared before a game and how much or how little they are rubbed up but you know with Lorenzen back in Seattle and him complaining about it and even um Tapera I believe um talking about it uh in Seattle that you know is it is it odd for me to think that, you know, Seattle might have been, might have the same effect on when they throw the balls that are prepared in Anaheim? I don't know. But either way, you know, uh, Trout goes to first base. McKinnon's now at second base. And you have Shohei Otani up to the plate with, again, and this is why I don't necessarily think it was on purpose. Because now you have Shohei Otani who just absolutely destroyed a ball earlier in the game up to the plate with a chance to walk it off. If it was you know, Velasquez behind Trout, or if it was, you know, uh, Stassi behind Trout. And I can see like, okay, well, yeah, we'll give it, we'll, we'll do this to Trout and then we'll have to worry, really worry about the guy behind him. But with it being Shohei Otani behind Trout, I just, again, like, I don't know why you would necessarily do that at that point. If that was such a big deal, they should have done it earlier in the game. But either way, Shohei Otani comes up and he gets, contact on the ball but unfortunately it is a nice easy line out to right field game over angels lose five to three and again the fireworks kind of started right after that too like once the game was over it wasn't necessarily over come a little bit later there is footage that that bally sports west had uh seen with phil nevin yelling at someone i don't know if he's yelling at the pitcher for Seattle about the, you know, obviously the trout thing, cause he's pointing to his head or if he's yelling at the manager, if he's, I don't know who exactly he's talking about, but you could tell Nevin was not happy about what just, you know, transpired with trout. And again, trout's your main guy. Trout's your one, a guy. If he's upset about something as a manager, yes, you need to be upset about it too. That's just how it works. So I don't blame him at all for, for doing that. But that that set the stage for the next day, the next day's game in the afternoon about, you know, was it was it on purpose? Okay, you feel it's on purpose. Is there going to be, you know, retribution? How's that going to look? What is it going to be like? So there was a lot of questions going into Sunday morning after Trout had his words with the press afterwards saying that, you know, you don't go after my head. If you're going to go after me, go after, you know, obviously the lower half. Um, and I think that's a proper way to do it. If you are going to throw, which I think, Throwing at guys in general to get a message across is kind of, it's really old school, but it's kind of an old school thing where I'm like, yeah, I can kind of do without because the hard part with a lot of these guys is you might aim low, but you'll miss high. And yes, you meant to hit them, you know, in the thigh or in the backside, but like any other pitch, if you miss and you elevate that, that's, you know, going towards the neck and shoulders, which is, I think, a big uh, big no no regardless of what is going on but yeah it was it was it was interesting to see Nevin kind of 
you know, talked the way he was talking and yelled the way he was yelling. And obviously, too, it was very surprising to see Trout kind of speak up about that after the game because he's not very vocal about certain things at all. He, I mean, you can probably count on one hand how many times he's been outwardly mad to where he's talked about it in the press. Like, yeah, you see him mad maybe at, during a game, during play but by the time you have that kind of cooling off period and he's actually talking to the press he's not necessarily really you know upset he doesn't come across as being upset and this time you can tell he was he was very upset about where that ball was in connection to to his head so here was the game on Sunday here was the what do they do next kind of thing with the Angels and the Mariners so coming into this game after Saturday night game, Jeff Fletcher from the OC Register tweeted out that the Angels were planning to, to start Jose Suarez as their pitcher on Sunday because this was, of course, Reed Detmer's spot in the rotation and they needed to find um, a pitcher for that. So going to bed last night, Suarez was the starter. He was on you know MLB.com as the probable starter for, for Sunday. So Sunday morning happens. This is a 12.30 or 1 o'clock game, actually. So around 11 o'clock, I think, is when I first saw it, that they made a change and they put um, Andrew uh, Wance in for Suarez to start the game and called it, you know, an opener. Andrew was going to be the opener. And that kind of caught me by surprise. And then I end up seeing online, I believe it was Angel's top plays on, on his Instagram or his Twitter. I'm not necessarily sure where I saw it first, but the idea of, hey, they're going to retaliate and they don't want to burn their starting pitcher to do it. And so that made sense. So that obviously made watching the game a little closer, especially early on in the game. And that's exactly um, how this game started. So with Andrew Wants on the mound in the first inning, you had um, J.P. Crawford line out, no big deal, easy. But with Julio Rodriguez up second in their lineup, um, obviously he's kind of their, their big guy right now, their star, their young up and comer star. So if you're going to go after one of our stars, obviously you're trying to do the same with the Mariners. Andrew throws up, throws up. And I will say he did throw up on him, but off his back, um, up by the nameplate. So yes, that's still kind of the danger zone as far as neck head injury, but it wasn't nearly as close to the head as they threw the night before at trout. So at that point, both benches were warned little words here and there were chirping back and forth but nothing really happened so the game continues to go on Andrew has a great first inning uh three up three down with two strikeouts the Angels come up and were able to um get a couple guys on but not able to produce any runs so we're still zero zero in the after one now in the second inning this is where fourth of July is next weekend and the fireworks came a little bit early to um, Angel Stadium with Jesse Winker up to bat. This is what happened. More times, and he has pitched out of the pen in Salt Lake. And he just hit Winker. Erica with the first pitch. Scott Service is calling for him to be thrown out of the game. And Winker, Winker is trying to get towards Phil Nevin. And the Angels... And the benches have cleared. And Justin Upton comes in. And we have chaos. So obviously that wasn't the whole thing because the whole delay overall was 18 minutes long. So, yeah, um, Winker did not 
did not like that at all. And then for the fact that when you watch the video, he did come not charging the mound, which is the first time I've seen this, where he doesn't charge the mound, but he charges the dugout. And I think Tim Salmon in the postgame uh, recap kind of mentioned it's like it's one thing to charge the mound, but it's a whole nother thing to charge the dugout. It's like you're 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 charging someone's home. You're trying to invade someone's home is the way I look at it. It's like that more so than anything else does not fly. And you saw the reaction from and you know you probably heard from a little bit from the clip, from the clip that the angels were not having that and and big shout out to anthony rendon if you haven't seen it by now you know he was front and center with winker gave him a little smush face with the open palm push him away with one hand in uh, his right hand in a cast and a second hand up and uh his left hand up in jesse winker's face so big shout out to anthony rendon um you know something like that really shows who has your back and who doesn't like i think everyone at one point in their life has had a friend where you might question him as far as like man if something this could be just totally me talking about my own you know early stages in life but like you always have that friend that you always wonder you know is he gonna be is he gonna have our back is he gonna be you know when if if stuff happens here is he gonna be you know is he gonna be in it and maybe you just never know until till that point and i think for Angel fans, I think that might be. I mean, obviously, I don't. He's not going to win off, win over everyone. I totally understand that, but I think with Angel fans, he might have won over some in that this that kind of reaction where he was front and center. He had literally just had surgery like a week and a half ago. His hands in a cast, but he's still in there, willing to protect and you know defend his brothers and, and his family in that dugout. And so, big ups to Anthony Rendon, someone I have to pull up the the tweet I saw earlier and I want to give the person credit credit where I saw it um, had a very funny uh, obviously if you remember Anthony Rendon left-handed um, uh, left-handed home run earlier in the year um, this is on from Twitter at Anthony Rendon Anthony uh, Anthony Rendon uh, career lefty stats two for two and two home runs so seems appropriate so i had to give a shout out for that that was that was really funny uh when that came out but yeah so this this whole you know brawl fight thing was very up and down it started off fire and it kind of calmed down and then it got picked up again but you saw a lot of guys in it like i was talking to a buddy of mine that hadn't seen it yet and i was like oh you missed it he's all i guess i missed the fight i'm like it wasn't necessarily a fight that you would see on the street like at a party or anything like that, but this fight definitely was probably two or three steps above a typical baseball fight. You know, a typical baseball fight, people were standing around, maybe a little pushing, maybe a little shoving, but not a whole lot of action. This one had plenty of action in it. At the end of it, you saw multiple players um, thrown out and multiple players um, will probably end up getting suspensions or fines in the next coming day. So that's something to really kind of watch out for as the week continues is who's going to miss time and who's going to be a little bit lighter in the pocket. So if you're looking for the ejections from the Angels side, you had Phil Nevin, the manager, Andrew Wantz, um, Rossell Iglesias, and Ryan Tapera. Ryan Tapera and Iglesias were going to play, you know, pretty critical roles in the way this game ended up uh, unfolding. So that was very interesting to see. For the Mariners, it was Scott Service, Jesse Winkler, J.P. Crawford, and Julio Rodriguez. So, you know, you have pretty much three pitchers and three position players, which I guess if there's going to be a fight between a pitcher and a, and a batter, you would think that the people getting not, uh, thrown out were probably going to be three pitchers and three batters. But um, 
the where, where it hurt Seattle was that Jesse Winker, J.P. Crawford, and Julio Rodriguez were all three of them were starting in the game, so they had to rearrange their outfield and infield pretty quickly into the game. And like I mentioned, with Iglesias and Tapera now being unavailable for the back end of the game, you had a hope that the Angels were going to be able to add a couple runs, put runs on top of runs to where it wasn't going to be that close um, for for later innings when you have to, you know the bullpen is going to be asked to hold a lead and possibly save a lead. But the game went on, like I mentioned, 18 minute delay probably one of the craziest fights I've seen at Angel Stadium in a while. There was that one, uh, I believe it was three or four years ago against Kansas City. But even then, if I remember that one correctly, it, it was on a Sunday also. It wasn't necessarily like this where I felt that one against Kansas City was more of a baseball fight where you know, maybe there was a couple of pitch. Uh, punches thrown but it wasn't like a huge I mean these guys today on a Sunday were like leaned up against the netting and there was guys on the ground you saw video of like Walsh game pulled up and he was dirty and and his jersey was you know messed up and torn every not torn but uh, uh, moved every which way had to kind of you know get himself straight but uh, the one against Kansas City doesn't didn't remind me of this one at all. So, but so definitely the biggest fight I've seen at Angel Stadium in a long, if not ever, in a very very long time. So, obviously, like I mentioned, Andrew got thrown out after that first hitter of the second inning, and so Jose Suarez um, came in like he was supposed to do, like we originally thought he was going to do. But he came in in the second inning. He ended up having a very very good outing, going six innings, five hits, only giving up one earned run eight strikeouts and his one run obviously off of a, a home run that was really his only mistake his whole time out there and that happened in the top of the sixth gave the angel or the seattle mariners a 1-0 lead but in the bottom of the seventh Luis renjifo would end up getting his third home run of the season that's hit towards left field it's got some carry to it Luis renjifo with some tie game Renifo almost fell rounding first base so that would tie the score one to one but they were not done in the seventh inning yet after that Luis Renifo uh home run newly uh debuted Angel um Monte Harrison would end up getting a walk in this game putting himself on first base after a strikeout by Taylor Ward, um, a wild pitch would advance Harrison to second base. After that, obviously, Mike Trout, like always, would be intentionally walked. So now you have two on, one out with Shohei Otani at the plate. And like the night before, he was not able to come through with this one when he's a nice, easy fly out to right field. So after that, David McKinnon, again, a guy that just recently came up with the Angels, and he's doing so well for them or they feel he's doing so well for them not only you know getting rbis in certain situations but he's doing so well that they need to keep his bat in the lineup he has started to play third base he actually started this game at third base and hasn't played third third base since his college years since then he has just been a first baseman and you know has done very well at that but the angels feel his, his he they need that bat in the lineup you know, even he's not putting up like power numbers or hasn't yet, but his 
just his approach at the plate and his him being able to work walks and again get a lot of pitches thrown and giving the guys around him more um, giving them more vision or more opportunity to see the pitches that are being thrown. Um, Angels feel like it's a much much better bat in the lineup than I'm guessing than you know maybe the other option. Uh, any other option at third base. So he did start this game at third base, but in the bottom of the seventh, he would come up clutch once again with one of those RBIs. Oh, lined up the middle. That's going to get down. That's great speed coming around second. The throw to third is in time. Is it in time? It is. The runner is safe at second. So the speed... So obviously that would give now the Angels a two to one lead after the seventh inning. And, you know, David McKinnon, again, it's a great story. If you haven't, go back and listen to uh, the interview I did with him a couple weeks ago, right before he got called up to the major. So now the biggest question, like I mentioned before, because of those guys getting thrown out earlier in the game to Para and Iglesias, now with a one-run lead, you have to start thinking who was going to be available in the bullpen to close out this game. You know, ideally your eighth and ninth inning guys are now not even available. So Who's going to do the eighth and who's going to do the ninth? Well, to start off the eighth inning, the Angels went to Oliver Ortega, which if you remember like earlier in the year, he had a very, very good start of the year. He he got into some issues that ended up sending him down to AAA Salt Lake. Now that he's being brought up, getting another fresh look, maybe whatever he had to work on, he was able to do it. But he would end up coming in in the top of the eighth and get three up and three down with two ground outs and a strikeout. The Angels were not able to add on to the run, which I know with the situation in the bullpen, any more runs added would have been a big help, but they were not able to do that. But in the bottom or the top of the ninth, they kept Ortega out there for a sixth out save, his first save opportunity as a major leaguer, and he performed very well to that. He ends up giving getting the first out uh, a fly out to right field. Adam Frazier would end up getting on base with a single little bloop single, but he would then get thrown out trying to steal second, and then he would, and then Ortega would end up striking out Cal Raleigh for a third out of the game. Ends up winning the game. Uh, Angels win this game two to one, saving the sweep from the Seattle Mariners. Still very disappointing though that they have they lost the first two. That's like be honest you would hope that this fight would have been there earlier in this in the series and i know if you look at the series you know score by score it's they're not you know huge blowout games either way but at some point you need to try to find a way to score runs in the in certain situations and keep runs off the board but angels were able to hold off on this game winning two to one with the help from obviously david mckinnon and luis renjifo Today's episode of the All Angels Podcast is brought to you by SportsDrink, your digital water cooler. SportsDrink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide floats all boats, so go check them out online and on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like SportsDrink without the vowels. 
All right, so let's talk about where the Angels stand right now as I record this Sunday night. Um, You're probably listening to this Monday night, Monday afternoon, or Monday morning, Monday afternoon. But right now, as I record this, the Angels are 35 and 40. They are in third place in the AL West, but they are 11 and a half games back of the Houston Astros. And if you look at the wild card, they are still six and a half games back of the third and last wild card spot. They have the Chicago White Sox coming up in the Anaheim for three games, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Fortunately for the Angels, those Chicago White Sox are actually ahead of them in the wild card standings by a single game. So if the Angels are able to at least take this series, they should be tied with those guys after I'm going into an off day on Thursday, but the Angels right now are are still struggling. You know, you kind of hope as fans that this fight, this this Donnybrook, if you will, um, you know, sparks something for the Angels. You know, gets them going. But I myself am not necessarily so so sold on that. Um, yes, it's great to see a spark, and yes, it's great to see fight in the guys again and kind of have it bring up to the surface. Cause I'm sure there's always been, you know, obviously there's always some kind of level of fight when you're in a competitive situation like uh, professional athletes are in, but it's something to kind of let it boil and let it bring up to the surface when a situation like, like Sunday happened. Um, But you know, unless this, you know, fight sparks, you know, Iglesias, or not Iglesias, uh, Renjifo and Velasquez, unless this sparks their ability to get on base more consistently, I don't know if a lot of things are going to change unless this sparks, you know, guys not getting hurt anymore and everyone comes back healthy. It's, you know, it's not going to change much. Yeah, it's great to see a spark. And yes, this can probably carry the team for a series or two. But when you look at the overall picture of the season, I don't necessarily know if this one spark can carry this whole team. Just like in you know real life, you know a spark is only there to start a fire. But I'm not necessarily sure if there's anything to start with the Angels. It's not because they don't want they don't want to. It's not because you know they're not trying. But you look at it, you know down the middle, and you look at it subjectively. Their their team, their the players that are out there right now aren't what uh, most teams are right now. You look. Obviously, the, the two middle infielders are are struggling really bad offensively. Yes, it was great to see Ren Hefel get a home run today. Hopefully, that you know does something for him. But that shortstop position has kind of been a black hole when it comes to offense. Whether it's Velasquez, Wade, or or you know anyone there. Ren Hefel started there earlier today, but you know for the most part, it's been a black hole. And same thing with you know third base now that. Anthony Rendon is out. You have David McKinnon there, but how much is that going to help offensively, but maybe hurt defensively? And then who's your backup? Uh, Duffy. I just, when I look at the angels team, when we mentioned it at the very, very beginning of the season, this depth is something that this team cannot rely on. And I feel that they're doing that right now. They're trying to rely on depth, but it's, it's not, they don't have great depth. So yes, it is very good to see the fight. Yes. It's very good to see the passion kind of come up to the surface for for us fans that don't see it every day, you can see it and you can point to it and say like, yeah, see those boys got fight. And it could be the same thing they, you know, say about any other day or how they feel any other day. But because we see it, we think it's there now, but we'll have to wait and see how this spark, you know, affects this team. I just, 
I'm just like I said, unless it can magically make Renjifo and Velasquez and Wade um, turn into above average offensive players, and you know make Noah Syndergaard what he was earlier in the year, and same thing with Lorenzen, I'm not sure what's going to do for the team. And I guess our first evidence of it's going to be what happens now with the Chicago series. What's going to happen with the Chicago series? How do they rebound after this emotional win against Seattle? How do they rebound against a team that is very much like the Angels right now where you would hope for a better season or they're coming in hoping for a better season and Noah Syndergaard takes the mound Monday and he'll be the first guy to, to put his foot down and try to now take that next step forward with this new energy and this new you know, passion and his new spark of the team. And how does he do against uh, Giolito? A guy, again, too, he has struggled this year, but Giolito has proven in the past that he can pitch to the Angels very, very well. So you kind of have to look and see what you're going to get there. But as the Angels play the Chicago White Sox, uh, it's going to be TBD on Tuesday. Again, the Angels now are trying to fill two spots in their rotation now that there's they don't really they really don't have a sixth man in this rotation and now um optioning Reed Detmers now they don't have a fifth man in the rotation so now they're really trying to piece together two spots in this rotation and then the second part of it is going to come up on Tuesday but on Wednesday you're gonna have a very and I'm actually really really excited for this game on Wednesday night you have Shohei Otani on the mound which if you remember his last two outings on the mound have been absolutely wonderful and so fun to watch and he's the guy where you feel comfortable if you're able to get one of those two games first two games against the Chicago White Sox that Otani will bring home a victory and win the series but you have to get one of those first two but he's going up against Michael Kopech of again the uh, Chicago White Sox another very very good young thrower uh, he is two and four with a two five nine ERA um, record does not show how good he is so that's definitely going to shape up to be a very very good pitching duel on Wednesday I'm very much looking forward to that and hopefully like I mentioned Angels are able to get one of those first two um, of the series so Otani can bring home the series victory for the Angels but like I mentioned you know this spark is only going to carry this team as far as you know these guys start performing better you can't think this spark is going to carry the team into the playoffs if these guys don't start performing better you know like i mentioned sparks only as good as what it catches on fire if it can catch this team on fire and all of a sudden guys are start you know outperforming what they've been doing then yeah then it's a huge turning point otherwise i look at it as a fun time and an interesting time interesting game and a really hard-fought victory where the emotion definitely you could definitely tell the emotional Motion did carry them in this game. I just don't know if it's going to be able to carry them for another, um, you know, 100 games or maybe a little bit less than 100 games now. Just so if anyone's wondering when the next time these two teams are going to play, it's going to be Friday, August 5th up in Seattle for a weekend series. So obviously there's plenty of time to let things die down a little bit man by august by august 5th there might be a lot of changes on both teams with the tread deadline gonna obviously be passed by then so it could be two totally different teams but you can pretty much guarantee that you know julio rodriguez you know and mike trout and you know probably jesse winker those guys are all going to be still in play and still 
um, on their respective teams. But yeah, it's going to be a month plus before we see Seattle again. So this is going to be something that I'm sure will die down. But once that series gets closer and closer, you can definitely tell that it's going to kind of get built back up again. But obviously, like I mentioned before, let's let's play that out. Let's wait. Let's see who gets suspended, who gets fined, how many games are certain guys going to miss. Someone that uh, asked Sam Blum this on Twitter is that because uh, obviously Rendon put his hands on someone else, you can you know almost guarantee there's going to be some kind of suspension there. But the fact that he's going to be out for the rest of the year because of his surgery now what happens at the beginning of next year? He'll, there's probably now going to be a really good chance he misses maybe like a couple games at the beginning of next year. So, again, we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll see how this uh, suspension stuff all plays out with Seattle and the Angels and how that affects the Angels going into the next series against the Chicago White Sox. But it's definitely been an interesting weekend for me personally. It's definitely been an interesting weekend for Angel fans and Angels. And hopefully this is something that can, you know, maybe put the right foot forward and get these guys some kind of in the hunt or at least start playing more like a 500 ball game, ball team. Because I think the first thing is first, you'd have to try to get this team to 500. You have to try to get to 500. And then from there, you can start working your way up. But that's the first goal. Get up to 500 and then see where you're at after that, after dropping two very disappointing series, first one against Kansas City and the second one against Seattle. But, you know, that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this edition. Again, if you guys ever want to ask a question or DM or anything like that, definitely follow us on our Instagram uh, and Twitter, Halo underscore Haven, both on uh, same on both platforms. And two, if you want to leave a voicemail for us, you can do that by just calling 951-384-0810. Again, that's 951-384-0810. And it will be played on the next podcast. Uh, the number will also be in description of the podcast. So if you don't have a pen and paper nearby, just look up at the description of this podcast and it will be right there. So obviously, like I mentioned, three-game series coming up against the Chicago White Sox. That series will end on Wednesday. So look forward to us recording a podcast on um, Thursday night and possibly also be doing a Instagram live that night. But again, just follow us and we will post what we're planning, what our plans are for the podcast. But thank you everyone that's listening. Um, I said this before, I think this was on the Instagram live. I don't know if I got it on the last podcast, but if you can help, Please, please go to Apple Podcasts and uh, write a review and um, submit five stars. That helps the podcast grow. That helps us get our word out to other people looking for Angels Podcasts. And a lot of it, you know, I, I can be like a lot of people and be like, hey, do this and we'll get you tickets or a jersey or a hat or whatever. But truthfully, I want people that enjoy this podcast to write a review. And I want people that who enjoy um, this process, you know, to write a review. I don't want people to do it just because they're hoping for free tickets or a free whatever. So, you know, if you write a review, thank you very much because I know it's because you are a true listener and you've been listening for a while, or maybe you just started and you really like what's going on here. So please, please do that again. Apple podcast users, please rate and review, help us grow this podcast more and more every day. So We'll be back again recording Thursday night for a brand new episode that's going to drop on Friday. I am your host, Daniel Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast.
This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.